Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. You found it. We're here. It's the Mess It Up podcast, and I'm the Bowtie Guy. And he's weird. A little bit. I'm the Biker Chick. All right, that's the last we're going to hear from her. We've been true. We've been having a conversation about how much I, I um, dominate is not quite the right word. Uh, steal all of Christina's opportunity to speak. I think is what we were trying to get at. Uh, so I'm going to try to do my best to be silenter this time. Silenter is that the word of the week? It is not the word of the week. But would you like to know word, what it? the word of the week is? Can we tell them who's here with us first? Sure. Who's here with us? Listener Bev from California. Yay! Listener Bev from California has joined us. And um, we're really super excited to have her here. And uh, we'll let you know why she's here in just a little bit. But uh, we talked about the word of the week. And the word of the week this week is anathema. Bless you. Yeah. I was, uh, I was at the prison today. And uh, one of my guys uh, asked me, he said, hey, do you know what such and such is? And I said, no. He said, it's anathema. I was like, huh. And then he started thinking, maybe it's not. Maybe I confuse it with something else. But I decided to make it the word of the week for the next show, which is today's show. And so um, an anathema is something or someone that that you vehemently dislike. That's like really you're super against something. And it's also, it was apparently a formal curse by the Pope or a council of the church would would put an anathema on someone and just like brand them like no good. And uh, so that's the, the, the sense that he was thinking of was like a, a formal curse from the church is an anathema. But um, I think at times in life, I have definitely been and might even still be an anathema to people. How many times did you have to practice the word before you could say it right? Anathema? No, I could say it right way. My, my brain's jumbling it. I can only imagine what my mouth would do with it. Say it. Try it. No, because I make a fool out of myself enough. I'm not going to do it on cue. I like it that we're like a couple of little teenagers here. Try it. No. No. No, you could do it. No. no. <laughs> not gonna. Uh-uh. That's probably why we have listener Bev here, so that she can, uh, you know, keep track of things and, and keep us on, on pace. That's right. <laughs> it's not working That's well. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, so we were sitting around talking uh, before the show. And we had an idea of where we were going to go with the show. And then all of a sudden we started having a conversation. And so I, like I normally do, said, stop. Let's record this. Oh, look at you go. I'm going to let you guys wonder what our our song of the week is going to be. Right. It's not going to be Vanilla Ice. (laughs) So anyhow, um, I thought we should record this because I think this would be a good show. And Christine was like, yeah, this would be a good show. Um, So let's do it sometime. And I was like, let's do it now because I'll forget. And then we started talking. And then I was like, okay, can you guys remind me again what the topic was? And so I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. So I am in the process of trying to remember now what the topic was. Process. Yeah. Do you want to tell the lovely people what the topic is, Christina? No, you're the one that has the notes right there written down. You wrote it down. Parenting, love, and enabling. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about that whole concept of enabling in recovery and in life. And it's 
for me, it's very deceptive because it seems like you're doing what's best for a person. Right. And maybe that's the thing is, is I look at it and say, okay, this would be what's best for a person, but it's not necessarily what's best for this person at the moment. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's where the, the differentiation lies. Example. So, um, if, if you're just a person, generally speaking, it's better for you to live in a house with a bed than out on the streets. I think that's a fair statement that right. I want people to have houses mm-hmm. and, and not be out in the, in the streets. Right. But if I've got a person who is being enabled and, and because of their, you know, typically it'll be addictions or whatever, but it, it, right. in something in their life is making it so they're not being responsible. And now I give them that place to stay so they don't have to be responsible. They don't have to suffer the consequences of their irresponsibility, which is not having a place to live. Right. And I give them a place to live. It seems like I'm doing, you know, the nice thing for a person, but for that person, it might not be the best thing. Right. We were talking about an addict before and how, when you give an addict comfort, it actually allows them to stay an addict even longer because they're comfortable in their their addiction. They're getting money, they're getting a place, they're getting all the comforts and still being able to use. But if you start to cut off their comfort, then hopefully they start to come around. And a lot of addicts, it takes bottom of the barrel, right? Hitting rock bottom is the, the saying, right? You gotta hit rock bottom in order to get into recovery. Paul is killing me right now. He's, he's got a cough, so excuse him. I'm, I'm sure but they can hear. I'm sure they can. But it's important, you know, when you've got an addict that you're not enabling them. And it's hard. And, Bevy, you were saying. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I have a hard time jumping back to that comment because I've thought of something else since then. But let me see if I can remember. I was saying that might be. I know in my life, one of the things that leads me to be confused about how God handles me, that there are times that I feel like in retrospect, looking backwards, I can see where God led me along a certain path, and at the time I didn't like it, and it almost felt cruel, but He being all-knowing and all-seeing, plus seeing the future and the past and the present, he knew that if he brought that in my life, it would be the worst thing in the world for me. And he gave me what was the best thing in the world for me that I didn't like because I couldn't see it. Um, I'm not sure that makes so God, sense. It, it makes sense. <clears throat> God is not an enabler. No, no. But here's the other thought that I had, and this is why I was thinking on that when you were asking me the question, so I had to jump out of what I was was thinking. Here's my thought. I have a little bit of experience with this because I am a codependent. And um, some of the things that I have read about codependency and some of the conferences that I've been through uh, through recovery have told me that when you're first stepping out of codependency and you, ha- you draw 
some boundaries and you hold to those boundaries, it feels really cruel to those people. And then I thought, why is that? Why do I feel that way? And here is where I believe for me it's difficult. It's I have not either taken the time or don't really know what that other person needs. So instead, I'm giving them what I think they need or what I think I want for them instead of really finding out what the need is. If I knew what the need was, maybe that would help me be more scientific in coming up with what I think would be a better plan for them or how to proceed with them. Yeah, Um, absolutely. That's one of my biggest things I, I tell my husband all the time. I give you what I think you need. Because you don't tell me what you need, and we can't really get mm-hmm. down to the the basics of what you need. So I give you what I think you need, when in reality, it's probably so far off base. And that's the other thing my husband, I know, does the same thing for me in our marriage. He'll be like, here, I'm doing this because I think this is what you need. You know, he loves to clean the house when I'm gone, or used to, until I lost my mind. I don't like that. Mm. Don't touch my things. Don't touch the boys' things. Don't touch things. You're doing what you think I need from you. I don't need that from you. What I need from you is just a happy hello when I get home, which is what I don't get most of the time. So trying to see, I mean, you just make such a great point. You really do. And I think it's hard because what do you do when that person that you're, I'm going to call it being codependent with, what do you do when they are not great at communicating or don't even know in their own life what it is that they need? So then it becomes a trial and error thing, error thing, which drags it out, makes it more painful, and you miss the mark more often. And then what I fall into is not necessarily giving them what I think they need. I give them what I need to give them because that's what makes me feel like I've done the right thing. And it, it doesn't matter if it's what they need or what I think they need. It's just like, this is what I have to do right now. So I'm going to do that right now, Okay. Uh, regardless. Can, can I just say something about that? I don't know if this is interpreting you what you... Do or do you think I need it? <laughs> I'm not so sure if that's how I operate. I think how I operate is this is what I need. So I'm giving you what I need. Right. Right, so if, if I was in your situation, this is what I would want, so I'm giving you that. No. Um, Say, not. can you give a, an example? No. Okay, so <laughs> let, let, me, okay. let me give an example of mine and, okay. and we'll see okay. if we're talking the, the same, same language. <clears throat> so my thing would be uh, a person is struggling and it's tense in the situation and so I need to break the tension so I make a joke because I need that and that's me doing what I need, not what they need and not really necessarily thinking about it. And then that could be played on more like, okay, I need to make a person feel better and I need to make it so I can't, so I can get rid of my feelings of feeling sorry for a person because I'm codependent. So I need you to not be on the street and that's what I need. Even though I know that that's not good for you, I will do that because that's what I need. I need to make myself feel better by making sure that I've, you know, and I'm air quoting, fixed that problem right there, even though I know 
then it's not fixing the problem, but it's what I need. Are we are we somewhere close? Boy, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think we probably should have written down more notes before we talked about this, but every what, show. I I believe I sort of believe what you just said is almost it, but not exactly it, because it sounds like you're saying what I'm going to give you is what I need to give you. I'm saying what I need to give you is what I need. For example, let's say we have someone living in our home and we're codependent with it. I'm codependent with them and they wake up grumpy. And so I'm thinking in my mind, what I feel like when I'm grumpy in the morning is I'd like for somebody to make me pancakes. So I go to all the trouble and make pancakes, put them in front of them, and they go, I don't want that. That's not what I want. Get that away from me. I don't feel like eating. I told you I'm grumpy. So I gave you what I needed when I feel like that or when I interpret the situation, and then I'm very wrong. So I'm meeting my own need. I'm not meeting their need. Right. And I just feel at this point it's important to say in the show, it wasn't me. No, it's not you. <laughs> that was totally, Paul always needs pancakes. That was totally a make-believe example. Yeah. I just was coming with, yeah. Okay. But I totally oh. get what you're saying, Bev. I totally get what you're saying because you're going, hey, if I were you, this is what I would need. So, of course, this is going to make you happy. Makes perfect sense. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it does. Mm-hmm. I find myself doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Or... um yeah, just trying to guess what their their needs are based on my needs. Because that's what we have to go off of, right? Is our mm-hmm. personal experiences. So we apply those personal experiences to their personal experiences and we're off. We're well, wrong. Way off. Because sometimes. They're different people, right? Well, and, and maybe once in a while we get it by dumb luck. But so here's 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 a funny story. <clears throat> You, you may have not. noticed the beginning of the show sounded a little bit weird, and now it sounds a little bit weird. We have a couple of microphones, but I forgot to turn all the microphones on, and it won't let me do it while we're recording. So um, we're sharing we're one microphone, as we have to effort. we have to spin it around. So, yeah. Here's what I do believe, though. The bottom line for me, and I am terrible at this. Anybody who knows me, um, I get my heart involved. And it's difficult for me to step back, which is where we started at the beginning of this discussion. But um, I think sometimes what I do is I create a situation where I cause the other person not to feel validated because I haven't bothered to ask the question, are you interested in me helping you with this? Do you want me just to come alongside of you and keep you company? Do you want me to fix this for you? Do you want me to do nothing at all? You know, or can you think of something else that you need from me that I haven't mentioned because I haven't thought of it? And then having the strength to actually follow through on that and still fight that inner thing that says, but this is what I need. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. There you have it. You're making lots of sense, Bobby. 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 I'm listener Bobby from California. <laughs> I, I, I think I <laughs> it's going to be hard to split this microphone in two directions. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I call Roman Bobby. That's why it came oh. out that way. So uh, when Bev and I, uh, after I got out of jail, uh, Bev and I were we did a lot of 
introspection and, and, and working on ourselves as a couple. And that was one of the things that we learned was to ask that question, you know, when, when someone comes with a, a problem, am I listening or am I helping you solve the problem? Because so often I dive in and I'm like, check it out. This, this, this logic, connect the dots. Perfect. Let's go watch TV. Mm-hmm. And all the person wants is I need you to hear my story mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. My daughter called yesterday. She's like, Mom, blah, 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 blah. Just <laughs> screaming, you know, upset, vomiting on me, all her words. And I was like, okay, do you just want me to listen or do you want me to give you mom advice? She's like, I don't know. Both. Maybe. <laughs> I was like, clear as mud. Let me know. Yeah. I'll just listen for now. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's healthy for you to say that because you're, you're, you're putting yourself in check and actually putting the other person in front of you. And another good thing that I've learned recently, which I'm not great at, but when you want to vomit on somebody else, ask them if they're ready for it. Mm. Hey, Uh. I obviously our children, we're just kind of always prepared. Right. But friend to friend, if you know, I try to call you, Bev, and you're just in a bad place. You're frazzled, but you still answer the phone because you want to make sure I'm alive. Um, it's good to say, hey, Bev, I need to vent for a little bit or I need some advice. Mm. Do you have some time right now? Yeah, that's good. And I'm bad at that, bad at that. Mm. But I'm learning that that's a really healthy place to be because it's respectful of the other person. Because a lot of people like me, I will answer the phone regardless of what I have going on. I can be juggling five things in my right hand, you know, walking on one leg, and I'll still answer the phone because I want to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And if you roll into a 15-minute diatribe, I'm still going to listen. It's just not going to be the healthiest, best thing for me. So if I stop and say, hey, do you have time? Then it's on me to go, well, I've got these few things going. Hold on. Let me put them down. Give me just a minute. You know, and and reply to that. Yeah. So uh, we are way over. Um, But this is just so important. And it's just... And I find that the important stuff is obviously, or oftentimes obvious stuff as well. Mm-hmm. It just like, duh, you know, why, why wouldn't I just think, Hey, are you ready to hear me right now? And, and make a connection before I, it's just, it's like, it's like dialing on the phone and just starting your conversation before they pick up. It just, it makes no sense. But so often I do that with a person, especially if it's a face to face, I'll just like, all right, dump time. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> want to know something funny on that note? Would love. To. I was at somebody's. Unless uh, it's a story about me, in which case no. we've got to go to the song no, of the no, week. No. <laughs> no, no. Just kidding. No, it really is. No, <clears throat> I was at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago, and they have a three-year-old son, and I said something that I thought was silly, and then I went, "Oh, duh!" And he says to me, um, "We don't say that in our house." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oops, oops sorry. <laughs> so I guess duh can be uh, interpreted by a three-year-old as not very nice. It can be, yeah. So here we go. We're passing notes in the studio right now. <clears throat> they don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, now yeah. I know. Okay, I, wait, no. Okay. There were too many notes, and I oh, didn't know which yeah, one I was supposed one. to be reading, yeah. but I guess I should have known it was one at the bottom of the page. Um, so the song of the week this week is Jesus Freak by DC Talk. 
And? And we'll be right back after the break. We are one. We are. It's yeah. kind of scary. Um, I want to say so again. Yeah. So, I was going to get this tattoo. I was going to get Jesus Freak on the back of my arm. What color? Point. Black. Typical tattoo Typical green? Tattoo green, yeah. Is that a part of the song? That's part of the song. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah, no. Okay. No. Uh, now I'm a little... See, I don't know what to say now. Anyway, that's all. Cool. <laughs> Because <laughs> I always loved hearing the song. I love like the the catchy beat of it. I love the the kind of meaning of it. You know, when I first came to Christ, um, I'm tattooed. I'm pierced. I'm a little on the rebellious side. Um, I'm not what you would look at and say, "Oh, look at that good little Christian girl." By any means. And so I always thought it was fun, you know, for people to look at me and see Jesus. So I'm completely okay with being that Jesus freak, because as long as they're seeing Jesus in me, I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm gonna pass. I want to hear what you got to say, and then I'll come back to it. <laughs> this is so awesome. We're just hey, we got both of our microphones going though, right? We're like, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Rock and roll. Uh, yeah, when I looked at the lyrics to this song, this was a song that I've heard a gazillion times. Mm -hmm. I even have it as ringtone for people on my phone. But what I know is the chorus and all the words when they're doing the fast stuff and going, I haven't paid as much attention to. I did not know that they used the word kamikaze in this song until I read the lyrics. And they talk about, you know, uh, uh, the Pharisees tripping when they heard him speak until the king took the head off this Jesus freak. Talking about John the Baptist. But then I think about John the Baptist being a Jesus freak and how far he took it. Yeah. All the way. All the way. No holding back a little bit for John and his locusts. Right. It was all in with Jesus. And I hope that I would have that kind of um, ability to 
be a Jesus freak. When I was in the prison today and I had my lanyard on and um, in, in the prison we have uh, things called chits and they're little metal things and it's got my name on it and when I go to the uh, guards to get a set of keys or to get um, the little uh, remote buzzer device that's the alarm, I give them one of my chits that way they know who checked it out and, and make sure they can get their stuff back. <clears throat> and so uh, Bev gave me a little mini lanyard to go on my lanyard that has a clip on it so I can put my chits and it says, I love Jesus on it. And when you gave it to me, uh, Bev, you, you said, well, do you want this one? It says, I love Jesus. And I was like, yeah, I want to wear that in the prison. I want people to know that I love Jesus. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to put my Jesus under a lampshade or under a rock. I want to have my Jesus out in front of me in that dark, dark place. What I, what I thought about when I was looking at the lyrics of this song was, um, I was going back to the day that we were wearing the WW, uh, you know, G, JD bracelets with the What Would Jesus Do? And um, I remember a lot of people asking me about that. You know, what does that mean? What do you, and uh, it sounds kind of goofy, but I was proud to wear it. I mean, I was proud to wear it. I, I didn't. I don't, it says there's but no that doesn't decide. sound goofy to me. Yeah, well, just that I <clears> guess whenever the connotation of pride is usually a negative right. one. Right. But to be representing Christ and be an ambassador for Christ is a, a high honor, a high call. And I, I think it's good to have those conversation pieces that, that can spark. Like for me, the bow tie. Uh, I was in McDonald's in a city today, you know, that where I, I don't come from. And the kid behind the counter was like, hey, that's a cool bow tie. And I got a chance to tell him about the podcast. And I was at a Krispy Kreme. I know, hard to believe that I was at a Krispy Kreme yeah. getting donuts, mm -hmm. freakish. Uh, and the lady behind the counter talked to me about my bow tie. And so I talked to her about the podcast. Turns out that she's in recovery. And she threw out this phrase that I ripped off from her called, is it odd or is it God? And, um, so yeah, those those kind of things. And if I keep my Christianity hidden, it's going to be real hard for me to have those Jesus conversations with other believers, much less with the people who really need to hear the word, which are the people who haven't gotten it yet. So go out there and be a Jesus freak. Word. Make a mess. Word. Turn that mess into a message. Wow. Your the entire family stomps on the biker yeah. chick. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, you're good. It's a family thing. You're good. <clears throat> so, speaking of a family thing, we have a concept in Celebrate Recovery called a forever family. Yep. And uh, our forever family, that, you guys want to talk just real quick, give an explanation of what forever family means to you? It means you'll always be there. Like, forever family to me is they're always going to be there. They're, they're there. Every Friday, they're there through thick and thin. Like, my recovery family is just my recovery family. Like, there's always going to be somebody in the family there at all times. So it's like I'm included yeah. forever. And, and for me, that belly button family isn't always. I, th I think there's a, I always think of it as going in two directions, you know, all the way to the right, all the way to the left. And that is, uh, for right now, while we're on this earth, this family will always be there, but then we're going to spend forever with them in eternity. That's the way I see it too. Mm -hmm. So wow, yeah, yeah, beyond the uh, beyond the dirt. So part of my forever family lives behind bars. Uh, I spend four days a week now at a prison, uh, working with Celebrate Recovery Inside and Prison Fellowship Ministries and uh, the Urban Ministry Institute, um, which I'll call also called Toomey. 
and I spend a lot of time with inmates. And this last weekend, I was blessed to be able to be part of uh, what we call a hope event. And we just brought some people into the prison to bring some hope to the the prisoners. And one of the people that I was able to bring was listener Bev from uh, California. Uh, Christine was not able to make it this one, but she's super excited about the next one. And we're going to have her in there. And I just want to just talk just a little bit about your experience with the inmates, Bev, because I've been doing this now for a year and I'm a former, you know, incarcerated person, uh, incarcerate maybe. Um, but Bev, her only experience with incarceration was visiting her husband while he was behind bars. And so it was not, um, not that prison is typically a positive experience for anybody, but there was definitely some bad juju going on when she thought about being behind bars. And so she has not been wanting to come join me in my prison ministry uh, endeavors. But this time she came and I was just wanted to get your reflections on that, Bev. I, uh, I am just riding on this incredible high today from that experience. It was so cool. Um, one of the things that, that I have been very good at all of my life is um, this thing called denial. And um, if truth be told, I was scared to go. Not scared because I was physically afraid for my life, but because I didn't know if I was gonna be able to handle the emotion of it all. I also thought that I would be claustrophobic in there, just feeling like the walls were closing in around me. And let me tell you what didn't happen. What didn't happen to me is I didn't even hear the doors and the bars click behind me. I didn't feel like I was walking into a place where I was cut off. I didn't see the, the razor wire and electric fences as a threat. I, it just, and the weirdest thing of all was I shared with one of the other ladies that was there with us that it felt like being home because um, I noticed that these men were absolutely not one iota different from me, not one bit different. They were, it could have been me. Um, and I just felt like there was a deep connection there um, between somebody who had just made a mistake to put behind bars and somebody who's made many mistakes but is on this side of bars. So. Yeah, and for me, it was I was just super proud to be able to show off my outside family to my inside family. And uh, the bond, I mean, I just, I love those guys and they love me. And it was, it was like, it felt to me like bringing, you know, your date home to meet your family and just wanting to show off. And so I wanted to show my wife off. Uh, to these guys and I want to show these guys off to my wife because I'm so super proud of these inmates that I've been dealing with for the last uh, year and we're going to have some people uh, on the show in the coming weeks that participate in this event. Uh, a musician named uh, Richard Andrew is going to join us uh, in a few weeks and um, another uh, guy who was there telling a story named Fred, whose story just blew me away when I first heard it. And looking at him, you'd never think, not that guy. I mean, well, you would think, not that guy. You wouldn't figure, you wouldn't put them together. And uh, it, it was just really uh, a pretty cool experience for me to be able to, to share that with my wife um, because I just, I come home like a, just a goofy kid. 
like just so excited and just you know running around and wanting to talk and and drive and talk on the phone when I'm not supposed to I, I don't but I want to and uh, so it's just really super super good uh, to be able to do that um, I can I just say I was um, uh, one of the most humbling things to me was well there are actually two parts of this first thing is I'm sitting there and I'm surrounded by all of these guys in you know in their clothing from the prison there and they're and I'm looking and I'm thinking how much time do I spend grumbling and complaining and uh, just whining about what I don't have and then here are these guys sitting here who their whole life is controlled by somebody else that can't even choose what they wear in the morning or what they eat and they had so much joy of the Lord there. Um, the second thing was when they shook my hand, they just kept thanking me for spending my time with them. And I would just turn right back around and say, no, no, no. Thank you for spending time with me because they blessed my life. And, and I sort of thought about the times that, Paul, you and I go to give blood and I always come away from that feeling like I did something great for someone else to help them out. And that's what it felt for me, that I thought that I was going to go and just feel good because I was doing something nice for someone. But it turned out that I got blessed uh, by being there. So that was a surprise to me. I, I had not expected that. Yeah, it's... Um Definitely that, that giving bloods, you know, theory completely fits for me. And I apologize. Again, I notice our mics are not working, so I don't know what's going on. Hopefully by next show I'll be able to figure some of this out. But um, I, uh, I apologize for that. It's a mess that hopefully will be a message that, you know, you don't have to have two microphones to get three people to talk. Um, but um, it's, it's a great experience. And I really encourage you listeners to do something for someone uh, in, in whatever way it is. And if that's writing a letter uh, to a person you haven't spoken to in a long time or praying, uh, Biker Chick and I were having a conversation about praying. Can you give them a, a, a quick, just what we were talking about before with prayer and praying for, for the person who needs it and, the, and our enemies? I love when he puts me on the spot. <laughs> Said me never. Um, so we were talking earlier just about how I feel when someone doesn't like me, if I'm praying, regardless of my feelings towards them, because typically they don't like me, doesn't necessarily mean I don't like them. But if I'm praying for somebody who doesn't like me, I always feel like those prayers are more powerful. Not necessarily that they are, but they just feel that way because when you're praying for somebody even though they have bitterness or resentment or whatever against you, um, I think it just shows the heart of the situation that no matter what somebody else feels, like you're still going to petition the mightiest God and ask him to, to intervene and to do something nice or, you know, to do whatever for that person. But you're putting yourself in a situation to where your heart is softened. That's why praying for your enemies. One of the hardest people I've ever prayed for is my husband's ex-wife. I feel like he hurt or she hurt him in a lot of ways. I'm sure he was far from perfect, but there was a lot of things that she did that were just 
super, super hurtful. But I also saw things from her perspective and I prayed for her and it softened my heart for her and hopefully answered some prayers for her and God did some work in her life as well. But pick one person that you know has something against you and commit for seven days to pray for them. And just every day, whether it's, hey God, praying for so-and-so, you know what they need. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't have to be any more specific, but it's it's putting that person first mm-hmm. in your mind for at least a moment and saying, hey God, they're worthy too, regardless. And I found when I did that, uh, my prayers began to get more specific and the weirdest thing happened, the more specific my prayers got for that person that I held ought against, the more my heart softened and became uh, more receptive to the seed from God that he was sowing. And, and I grew because I just got more and more and more and more and more specific in blessings for that person that I really did not feel like I wanted to have good things. You know, I wanted to see the piano fall from the crane on their head, you know, and be like, ha ha, that's what you get. But I, I prayed for the opposite and, um, and I'm a better person uh, for it and, and have lived a less resentful, poison filled life, uh, because of that. So, yeah. So do something nice. Uh, if you want to do something nice for us, a great way to do that is to go to our website, which is messituppodcast.com. And at the bottom, there's a little button that says, become a patron. And if you click that, it'll take you to our Patreon page where you can help support us financially for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, and it, uh, it goes to help support the ministry so that we can do things like pay for the website and um, pay for the podcast uh, hosting and also, you know, pay for food and those type of things. Uh, so we can spend more time doing the podcast and, and researching and all that. We, uh, we'd love to have your patronage. So you could start as low as a dollar a month. Uh, we have tiers at $5, $10, and $25. Uh, we have some listeners that took a couple of those tiers and uh, just really wanted to bless us. And that is a huge blessing. So we thank all of our patrons. Um, and if you've been keeping up with us on social media, we have our stickers and our iron-ons ready for you. So um, I will be getting a hold of the patrons um, that uh, we owe stuff to and getting that stuff to you. So look for that this uh, coming week. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. We are on the interwebs. uh, So if you look up on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Reddit, uh, if you look for Mess It Up, um, you'll probably find us and uh, keep track of us in those places. We love to hear from you. If you want to get a little more specific, you've got a show idea, you've got a song of the week idea, a word of the week, you can email uh, our intern. Intern Dave is at info at messituppodcast.com. And uh, if you'd prefer to talk to me, it's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. And I am bikerchick at messituppodcast.com. Bev, she, you know, She's just listening out there in California. If you want to get a hold of her, you can find her on uh, on on the Facebooks. Uh, I don't know if I'd look up Listener Bev in California, but um, uh, if you're really interested, you can call me, and uh, if I like you, I'll let you know how to get a hold of my wife. But most of you can just, you know, not. <laughs> 
or something. I was like, this is getting weird. <laughs> it's just fast. crazy. This is the one time where I wish I could stop the show and like, rewind, but I know it's not allowed. Yeah, Skinnerd. Yeah, everybody's trying to punch me. Uh, anyhow, we've talked too long. I should have quit the show a minute before I said all this. So we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Thanks for listening. We apologize, but not for the long show because we know you'll love us uh, long, short, and in between. So have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Stop being weird.